What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. I had on the show Joe Chow, the notorious emperor as you people know him by, and he is the founder, the creator of Notorious Lift Slippers, the ever-so-popular deadlift slippers that you see a whole ton of high-level lifters rocking these days, and he gave me a terrific interview because, of course, he's known for the slippers that he has created, but just by talking to him, the dude knows powerlifting. He knows deadlifts, especially. Uh, we had a really good conversation about deadlift, and it was a lot of great conversational pieces were created because of how passionate he is about the sport. Uh, of course, we talked about you know how he started Notorious Lifts, how he grew the brand, uh, his future plans for just Notorious Lifts and other things as well because the very intelligent and determined in you know what he's going to do in the future but we also talked about just him as a competitor as a lifter and how much he enjoys the sport how much he enjoys the community uh he did a lot of interviewing of me and I wasn't expecting that so you're gonna hear a lot of me talking because he's a deadlift kind of sore and he just asked me a lot of questions about my deadlift um we also gave our personal mount rushmores of our favorite deadlifters really good conversation on that and i pitched him terrible business ideas that when i told them he looked at me and is like uh yeah yeah i i'm probably not going to be on uh, the pitch team of uh notorious lifts anytime soon but you know it was worth a try i always want more money but yeah again great interview with him uh, but before we get into the interview, I got to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, use promo code 2WL10 to get 10% off of any apparel that you would like on LeflarBros.com. Right now, I am wearing a baseball tee that I'm about to deadlift in. And I can tell you right now, I look good right now. That means I feel good. And that means I'm probably going to lift really good. That's what usually happens. You look good, you feel good, when you feel good, you lift good, and you can too, and you can do it at a discounted price if you use promo code 2WL10. Also, I'm going to plug those gym banners because home gyms are going up like crazy right now, and get yourself some gym banners and make your home gym look really, really aesthetically pleasing. And again, use our promo code 2WL10 to save 10% off of your order. Also, go to Rivalist.net. And use promo code Angelo15. No, no, no. I made a mistake. It's Angelo20. I'm going to make that mistake a lot. It is Angelo20 now. And that's actually good news because you can get 20% off of your order. Not 15. 20% off of your order if you use that promo code Angelo20. And you can get yourself some pre-workout creatine protein. I just bought in bulk a ton of protein because we're in a quarantine right now. So that's actually a good purchase. Uh, pre-workout as well. And, you know, even though I don't use them, a lot of people use branching amino acids. You can get 20% off your order if you use promo code ANGELO20. And since you made it through the intro and the ad reads, hit subscribe on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. Leave a review, something I can work on. Of course, I will take it. But, you know, we need those reviews. We need those descriptions in order for me to make a high-quality show. Thank you for everyone's support us so far. Also, we're on Spotify. People keep on asking me if we're on Spotify. I say at the beginning of every episode, we're on Spotify. So, yeah, we're on Spotify. Like us on there as well. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights.
Happy Cinco de Mayo, people. May 5th is May 3rd. Yo. Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> it's airing May 5th, my man. You're the second person to correct me. Yeah, we're pre-Cinco de Mayo celebration right now. But, you know, it is May 5th because I'm drinking a Budweiser right now, not a Corona. Oh, my God. Because that's, that's what I'll be drinking on Cinco de Mayo. But I got with me via FaceTime. You people know him as the Notorious Emperor. This man is the founder, the creator of the Notorious Slippers you know and love. I got with me, Joe Chow. How the hell are you, man? Good, good. Same old, same old. That's good to know, man. And uh, we talked a little bit before the show. You ha- you have one of the more popular businesses in powerlifting right now. And uh-huh. it's cool to see because... We, of course, have our equipment, but you're something that came on recently, and it's a more uh-huh. modern innovation to powerlifting that has made their way into, just, I mean, thousands of powerlifters' arsenals, and mm-hmm. it's a small business technically still. We're in the middle oh, sure. of a pandemic still, and <laughs> you you told me that business is still going pretty well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even with the pandemic, Sales are still doing very well. Um, yeah, obviously it slowed down because people are obviously, they're not able to go to the gym, so they're not required to buy slippers. But, you know, with these limited colors, people are still really hyped about, you know, picking up a pair, even if it's their first pair or second, third, fourth, fifth, you know, they're trying to collect the slippers. Um, so, you know, I'm very blessed at this with, with that. So, yeah. Everything is still going very well with Notorious Yeah, that's good to know because small businesses are struggling right now. But I still see people buying Notorious Slippers, still using Notorious Slippers. I got my new slippers today. I'm really happy about that. On Tuesday, when this episode drops on Cinco de Mayo, I will be deadlifting in them. And I got to ask, how? what was your inspiration of starting uh, the Notorious brand? Like I said before, something that grew exponentially since I started powerlifting till now so uh-huh. what was the motivation behind it so back then in 2017 2018 i was competing competitively in the 148 weight class in the uspa federation and um you know in the deep in the off season i switched from wrestling uh, wrestling shoes into just going pure uh barefoot mm-hmm but when it was time to obviously peak for my powerlifting meet, I had to find a footwear that was similar to barefoot. So I was using uh, these New Balance Vibrams back then, but uh, bottom sole was still pretty thick, so it wasn't anywhere close to being barefoot. Mm-hmm. And then I started buying some of the slippers in the market, in the powerlifting market. You know, I'm not going to name any any brands or anything like that because, you know, I don't want to knock any. Any uh, any of these other small businesses, you know? Do I have permission to? Go ahead. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to think of the uh, the small brands that were there making slippers. I know A7 had 
The only ones that I saw were A7. Like, I can't really remember too many other ones. Okay. Yeah, so... I yeah, guess... so there's another brand called Metal. Have you heard mm-hmm. of Metal? No. No, yeah. So I believe Sean Norega used to wear those. Um, you can find them on Rogue Fitness, too. Okay. So, um, so for me, I kept slipping lifts, you know, laterally with those slippers. Um, so that, you know, gave me the inspiration to come out with my own. You know, to any problem, there's a solution, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so I would say like a month out from IPL Worlds in Vegas 2018 was when I got my first sample. So I was testing those out. And, you know, I wasn't even following my program at that point because at that point I was like in the garage every day, deadlifting, just, you know, doing a bunch of tweaks and just doing a bunch of research and development on my own slippers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so that's what led me to release my first um, my first pair of slippers in January 2019. That was my very first launch. So were the slippers for your personal use or was the attention to get it out to other people? Uh, it was definitely my personal use. It was definitely personal use, but, you know, obviously I wanted uh, to make a business out of it too. Mm-hmm. But I did, I did not expect it to be where it's at right now. If, you know, if you, at that time, you know, I made 500 slippers my very first run. And, you know, there was a high, for me, I thought, Five slippers, I would probably sell it within the year, you know. And it, it did take a, a very long time, though, to get rid of the first lot. The first lot probably took, like, five, six months. But after that launch, you know, the second... So the first launch, let's say the very first day of launch, I sold, like, five slippers. Yeah. And I was, I was like, oh, crap. Like, you know, what am I going to do with the rest of the 495? So I was like, you know what, forget it. If this fails, I'll just donate to the Salvation Army. No big deal, you know? But, you know, if you want to be successful in any business, you have to take risk, right? Yeah. So I took that risk. Um, so after the first launch, the first day, first day I sold five pairs for the very first launch. Second launch, which I released the breads of Gen 1, the red bottoms, mm-hmm. I sold 140 slippers the first day. And then after that was the stealth drop of Gen 1. And that's when the hype was going crazy. And and I sold out like a thousand pairs in like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, it's been pretty much selling out uh, from every launch. Yeah, so what year was this exactly? Because I remember there was a time, and I believe you know this person uh, potentially personally. I could be wrong about this. Uh, Mitch uh, D. said, and his lovely girlfriend Janelle, they bought. Oh yes. Uh-huh. They bought notorious slippers uh-huh. into the gym, and they were. To- I obviously had no need for them because I was still deadlifting in squat shoes at the time. So I looked at them like, okay, they're cool, and that was my first glimpse of those. So what? What year was it? Yeah, so I remember it was actually Janelle that picked up her very first pair, and that I think she had the very first, the very first launch, uh, which was a a black slipper with red straps, and mm-hmm. the bottoms had patterns of both black and red. So she got them first. Um, so she probably had them already since like early twenty nineteen already. 
and then after that, I remember we bought Red Bottoms too, and then Stealth. Yeah, I and since then it was like okay, that's that's a pretty cool idea because my assumption was it was essentially something a slipper that is going to be close to barefoot deadlift as much as possible, but with a grip on the bottom. Then, I don't know, within a year, and as soon as I got into USAPL, I see everyone wearing notorious lifts. I mean, literally, I open Instagram when the launch happened, I would see everyone either reposting their order details and them getting the orders, and it was such a quick explosion of just people getting into those slippers mm-hmm. yeah so you know with that hype being built of the slippers in the powerlifting community you know a lot of people start making memes and stuff like that you know making fun of like usa pl fanboys and mm-hmm. everything like that um you know for me as a business owner like i obviously don't pick any sides or anything like that i don't get any get into any politics in this community or whatever it might be for me, personally, I compete in the USPA mm-hmm. Federation. And it's not because I'm nothing against the USAPL, but it's because in California, majority of the property meets are USPA. USPA yeah. So, you know, it's a lot more convenient for me mm-hmm. to compete. Yeah, but also, when that happens, you have to take a step back and realize that there's probably a quality equipment being sold. Because I understand that the fanboydom in USAPL can be very high. Uh, a lot of people can jump onto a trend. But there's a point where it's like, okay, is there, if there's so much people using the product, then this product is probably really, really good. And I knew that, and I knew this when I started making change from, you know, squash dudes going to flats. Uh, the very first thing I asked uh, my coach was, all right, so if I'm going to get flats – what's the best flats to use. Initially, he just told me to hobble down my squat shoes because he thought that I was so tied to the clout of lifting in squat shoes that I would have to keep my various... I'm like, no, I don't care about my squat shoes. I really don't mind uh, switching to anything. He's like, oh, in that case, if you're looking for a high-quality shoe, get Notorious Lips. And I did. I tried other slippers out, and it is a... I, in my opinion, a better quality. I do like my tobbies for benching, mm-hmm. not necessarily for deadlifting, but for those, like, with the straps, I don't know what... What does that hold in, like, the straps? It kind of keeps my ankle, like, more... Not my ankle, my toes kind of more uh, glued to the surface. Correct. So, you know, when we very first were coming out with the idea of the slippers, one of the easiest way to fix the side lateral... Uh, you know, of your feet spilling over is obviously adding some support in the metal tarsal area of the foot. So that's why I included a strap near your toe box. Mm-hmm. But then I obviously add, you know, what's better than one strap is two straps, right? So I added both straps. But obviously it made it, the slippers a lot more aesthetic too than just one, one strap. Yeah, that's a good point. I actually didn't even think about the aesthetics of it, but it yeah. um, that, that, that's actually kind of what, not necessarily sold me, but kept me on to the brand was I found that that keeping my foot in place is much better than the alternative where it's not. Now, I could grip the floor with a lot of different shoes, but the there's there's that feature of the Notorious Slippers that helped me. And again, I was 
lifting in squat shoes for a while, the main making that change was a you were accredited a lot for improving my deadlift. Thank you. Yeah, you. So uh, from the internet, uh, that world record, I uh, I should get a lot of recognition for it, right? <laughs> I, I did I ta- I think I tagged you in the post. <laughs> you tagged me. <laughs> I think I think I tagged you in the post. So, I. I, I do remember though, just uh, the initial like of my uh-huh. deadlift progressing, and everyone was uh-huh. posting like, "Oh, that's what happens." And I guess you switch to splats. I'm like, "Well, guys, uh-huh. I think I, <laughs> I think it's more than some shoes uh, occasionally." Yeah. But uh, but they definitely have helped, and they, like just right. trying on different shoes, they're definitely my favorite so far. That means uh, Joe, your coach must be a, a true Zen, huh? Zen master, because obviously, like you said, there's a lot of variables that affect it. That really caused your deadlift to really mm-hmm. blow up, right? You know, one of it has to do with progression, uh, with, I mean, with programming. But the other one is obviously him, you know, telling you to just test out flats. Like oh, yeah. you recommended them at Taurus Lift Slippers to you. Oh, yeah, for sure. And as someone who knows deadlift, it's Joe Stanek. And this is not a sure. plug and a promotion for Joe. It's just a fact at this point. He has so many amazing deadlifters on his team. And so many records have been broken under Joe Stanek. So um, he's definitely going to know what slippers you should wear for deadlift. He's also going to know what technique you should have for deadlift. And, yeah. So you've mentioned it before, uh, being like this USAPL stereotype of notorious lifts. Have you Have you ever seen it as a negative being connotated with just one federation? Or is it something you're trying to like maybe branch out of? Um, here's the thing about our slippers now is just as a community, as a powerlifting community as a whole, I'm sure everyone knows what the brand is already. Mm-hmm. So there's no one affiliation, uh, with the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you know, I obviously compete in the USPA. So a lot of people in my federation, uh, have the slippers already, but I know they're obviously, trying out other brands too now, right? Like Barefoot Athletics and stuff like that. Um, I know in the USAPL, there's obviously a big Asian community. And um, I don't know, a lot of them support me because, you know, they see an Asian entrepreneur and they want to help me out. But they obviously see my deadlifts too. They're like, hey, you know, the, the CEO has a, you know, relatively big deadlift and, He's the one that's making these slippers, then, you know, these slippers must be uh, of good quality. Yeah, for sure. And mm-hmm. I think I've gotten into discussions about that. One thing I love about the Asian community is how they support their own businesses. It's like such a cool thing that I see that it, it flies both in many ways for different ethnicities, but that's one way that they really get behind each other is actually supporting one another. But. Uh, this leads to my other question. You just mentioned that you know you have a a a, a very good deadlift. Uh-huh. If I could give you that ultimatum of like, are you going to be known as Mister Notorious Slippers or uh-huh. Mister Deadlift? Which one would you pick? Because I'm assuming you got into powerlifting not necessarily to push uh, and sell slippers. No. I love doing unrealistic ultimatums on the show by the way that's like my favorite thing to do <laughs> yeah um <laughs> <I would stop. laughs> 
<laughs> here's the thing. Um, after I started the brand, right, and it took up a lot of my time, mm-hmm. and I was working a eight to five job while running the brand at night. So that took off a lot of my time to to lift, basically. You yeah. Know? So that's when my you know I didn't make powerlifting uh, a priority anymore. Um, and you know, I was obviously going out a lot more, you know, just because I was so stressed out. So I was like going out a lot more, going to a lot of like events and stuff like that. So powerlifting was in the back burner. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it was because I was very stressed out, so I just wanted you know, a little bit of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like I was filling a void too because I felt like I was falling off in powerlifting. I just wasn't as competitive anymore, you know. Back then, uh, the reason why I got a lot of recognition with my personal page back then was because in 2018, early 2018, I posted a 675 deadlift uh, I hit at Barbell Brigade. Mm-hmm. And then King of the Lynch reposted me, deadlift till I'm dead, uh, reposted me, and uh, powerlifting motivation. Uh, reposting me. Um, so that gave me a lot of recognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't have that many followers even right now, but at that time, I thought relatively, was, you know, it was a good amount of clout I got from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you know, with all the stress that I went through uh, last year, um, I kind of just fell off in, in powerlifting. And um, I just made the excuse, hey, you know, I'm too busy for this sport now, you know. Uh, I'm working a full-time job. Uh, I'm responsible for running this brand and stuff like that. So I made the excuse. So to honestly answer your question, I think I, I would give up the brand to have the biggest talent. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. You know, even if people wanted to tell you, oh, you know, this sport is, is just a hobby. Don't mm-hmm. take it so seriously, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel like even if I didn't have this brand, even though this brand is obviously, you know, I'm doing this full time. You know, I I, I quit my nine to five job last year, late last year, but you know, it's still not my end goal when it comes to what I want to do career wise. You know, yeah, because you know what I do with my career has to have some sort of value to it. You know, some added value. Just like, you know, you're a middle school teacher. You purely want to help kids, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but for me, I don't want to be known as a guy just, oh, you know, he makes deadlift slippers, you know. You know, that's why there's a lot, another aspect of notorious stuff, and that's why I do a lot of donations to various foundations. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought it was an appropriate question to ask because I, I knew that you were a competitor walking in, but... I now know that you're you're always going to be continuously tied to notorious lifts, and we all get into the sport as competitors, right? Like if we didn't like competing in competitive powerlifting, we would just lift and not compete against one another. But it's uh, I think it's interesting asking lifters about like a certain identity. Cri- I wouldn't call it a crisis. It's maybe being a little bit over dramatic with this uh, situation, but. You know, there's a change in identity, and it's interesting which one they would pick. And I, and I'm, 
I got to think of other, you know, people I've had, you know, similar to entrepreneurs like yourself that I had on the show. I don't think anyone has ever picked they would rather be an entrepreneur first. It would have been a good question for Russ because he is the best in the world at his weight class. It's like, okay, dude, so say next year I surpass you, but you, you know, elevate your get better today to like a Fortune 500 company. Like, would you take it? It's like, is that something you would take as opposed to being the best in the world? Um, I'm sure he would say both. And at this point, I'm sure he could accomplish both. But it would be an interesting interesting conversation to have with you know just a multitude of lifters and i like how you answer that honestly the very similar thing happened to me like during like competitive things i turned into the mean guy for such a long time like like oh dude like when i when i was at a meet they would be like oh dude you're the guy who flips his belt right I'm like yeah that's me <laughs> man i flip my belt like uh, it's like, hey, and I mean, at Raw Nationals, this my identity was essentially, oh, you're the guy with the deadlift and squat shoes. Like, yeah, yeah, that's that's me. Like, are your shins bleeding yet? I'm like, I can't. So, I really would like to be a guy with a big total. <laughs> yeah. So they actually didn't know your name. They just saw you. Like, my name was Fortino you. Power. <laughs> like, my name is not Angelo Fortino in their eyes. The yeah. name is Fortino yeah. Power. And, it, and I'm not going to lie. It's always cool. It's it is a cool thing. Like the fact that they follow your page and they follow what you do and they know your jokes. That's cool. I'm not saying this. I'm like, oh, this sucks. I can't believe because I obviously did it intentionally. Like that was my goal to kind of build a page. But if I had the choice between being the guy with the bloody shins who deadlifts in squat shoes who makes memes and tosses his belt onto bars, or Angelo Fortino, big total guy. I would take the big total. I would like to be known for that. And uh, that's and I in your situation too. It's you know they're they're going to come up with a lot of questions about the slippers where you got into the sport mainly to be a really good powerlifter. Correct. Yeah, because you know. As cheesy as it sounds, powerlifting gave me so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I got that lot of detraction from my personal page after uh, my lifts were reposted by these these powerlifting pages, right? I was able to launch my uh, online coaching service. So back then, I had something called the Notorious Method. Mm-hmm. I had like I don't know, at one time, probably like at least twenty-ish clients, and I was doing that as my side hustle with my eight-to-five job. And then I, you know, disbanded my online coaching service after Notorious Lift, you know, took off, and that required a lot more, a lot more of my attention. And um, you know, I'm not gonna lie, like even like personal things, like you know, a lot of my past few uh, relationships, you know, uh, is people that I've met from this community. Mm-hmm. And I've met so many friends and everybody like it. People from not even just domestically, people in Japan, Korea, in Europe, you know, that we talk, that I talk to on a weekly basis, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, powerlifting gave me so much, I would say. Yeah. And I, yeah, that's that's a really good point. And it's something that's not talked about enough in powerlifting is, especially, yeah, especially with people 
who have those social medias and get into different business ventures. And I know this is like the second episode in a row where we're talking about this because uh, we did discuss it a little bit with Russ as well, or we discuss it a lot with Russ. But if it isn't making you money social media, okay, that's fine. But, man, I've created tons of friends just through social media and just through what I've been able to do in powerlifting and use both of those tools with, you know, others. Like, I mean, the podcast is one. This very podcast that I'm talking about is going to be promoted through social media, and the reason why I started it was because of being reposted on pages, being reposted on King of the Wars, getting a following. Like, okay, I would like to give back to the community too. Start a podcast where we talk to different lifters that they get to just, we get to shoot the shit and talk and just, you know, either bullshit or talk about something serious. And it has given me that mechanism to do that. Uh, so, yeah, and that's, I understand that we talk a lot about, you know, acquiring some sort of wealth through social media. But if you're not acquiring some sort of wealth, totally fine. But think about all the friends you've made through the sport. All the people that you associate with through the sport. I mean, like, I play Call of Duty with just all my powerlifting friends now. Before powerlifting wasn't that. It was like, okay, yeah. like maybe with one friend or two friends. Now it's, you know, getting DMs from my fellow competitors. Like, yo, you want COD? Like, yeah, let's play. And I know you know another guy um, named Massimo, right? Who's that? Massimo. You know Massimo? MD614 on Instagram? Oh, Massimo. The, the, Massimo. Yeah, oh, sorry. sorry. Ma- Massimiliano. Yeah, Massimo. Yeah. yeah. I used to be his coach, too. Yeah. Oh, no shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. See, and that's another one. Like uh, Massimo DM'd me, you know, a while ago. We're both Italian guys, and you know, he DM'd me a while ago. Didn't really know him. Then I started talking to him more, and now we we literally talk every night just on Call of Duty. Oh, wow. Like we we oh we, we and we constantly, you know, uh, we're on Instagram. We're talking to each other, and that was because of powerlifting. That was because of that. So uh, the community, I know, can be cultish at times is still pretty positive in the long run. So, yes. yeah. And now getting, getting back, because I'm always curious about this, especially with your brand, because I okay. think you're doing so much good with the sport. What are your future goals for Notorious okay, List? So, you know, like if it wasn't for powerlifting, there wasn't, there wouldn't be a Notorious List. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so here's some timeline now I'm about to give you. So right now, obviously they're the Gen Two slippers, and then um, in the summertime I'm coming out with a new type of slipper. Now, I don't know if you've been going through my page, but then I kind of gave like a, a little hint about what I'm releasing. You know, mm-hmm. um, so I'm releasing another type of slipper, and then uh, or you can call it slipper or shoe or hybrid. You know. Mm-hmm. In a sense, and then, uh, but my end goal is actually to come out with my own cross training slash lifestyle shoe. Okay, it's a shoe. It's a shoe that you can, you know, it's not just like because you know there are cross training shoes like the Netcons, right? Nike Netcons, but there's no way you, even though they're flat and they're very hard at the bottom, the bottom sole is still very thick, so you can't really wear them to Delhi. But you can definitely wear them for benching, squats, whatever it might be. But you definitely, you know, I mean, 
I'm sure there's better footwear out there for ghosts. Yeah. Um, besides the Metcons. But I want to make a shoe that's very minimal, but you can also wear it as cross-training. But at the same time, it's very aesthetic-pleasing. Mm-hmm. Very aesthetic-pleasing. That means you can wear it at the gym, or you can wear it out with the boys. Mm-hmm. Right? Not out with the boys. So that's actually what I'm working on right now. Okay. And, um, you know, I'm the goal for Notorious Lift to, is to build a footwear empire out of it, you know. You know, there's going to be some, you know, sandals coming out, uh, you know, maybe future in the boots, whatever it might be, you know. Um, so that's what I'm currently working on right now with the brand. Yeah, that sounds pretty exciting with that. And mm-hmm. is this something that is, are, are you willing to make this your life's work? Is, My life's work? Because what you just said right now, mm-hmm. it's, it's clear that you're passionate about it. You're, you're, you're thinking about different things. You're thinking about different types of shoes. You're not just thinking about deadlift slippers. You're not thinking about just powerlifting slippers. So, that's what, like, you're, how old are you? You're a young fella, right? Uh, 27. 27. Definitely young. I'm 27 as well. Uh-huh. So, you are uh-huh. the youngest person ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, so, you're still young, but mm-hmm. it's... Is it something that you're just willing to keep on doing, or is there maybe other business ventures you would branch out to? Uh, so one thing, too, is I guess we can discuss about the back-end side of it, is I want to open up factories, manufacturing factories, or even R&D uh, centers mm-hmm. uh, in Vietnam. Um, that's my home country. I mean, I was born in the United States, but, you know, my parents were born and raised in Vietnam. And I told myself I want to employ directly a thousand people before I pass away, whether it be anywhere in Vietnam, United States, somewhere in the Middle East, whatever it might be. Um, but for me, it's, I feel like in in the United States, there's always upwards mobility. We there's so many stories of people going from rags to riches, you know. Yeah. And we don't, and, you know, there's no like uh, income cast like in different countries. You know, we all get along. You know, we have friends that are super wealthy. We have, you know, other friends that are definitely not well off, but we still see them as you know our brothers and sisters. But in other countries, if you're born in, from a very poor family, most likely you're going to end up as poor as your parents. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's why I said I want to employ like a thousand people in these third world countries and I want to give them the opportunity. I want to pay them a lot higher than the typical wages are in their country. But also I want them to uh, give them the opportunity to really prove themselves. You know, they can be just a line worker making my shoes, right? Um, but then, you know, if, if they show their work ethic, you know, maybe they are given bigger responsibilities to a point where, you know, they can go become like a supervisor to a manager to even be part of like the R and D stage of, of designing these shoes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that, that's my end goal as far as notorious slip. But another even bigger goal is for me to open up uh, my own medical device company, um, specifically dealing with the heart. Because, you know, heart disease right now is the number one cause of death. And mm-hmm. If you have a bad heart, it causes so many different health issues. Whether it be like stroke, you know, like, 
my only grandparent that's alive right now is my grandpa, but my grandma on both sides of the family, my grandpa on my dad's side of the family, all of them died from strokes. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, you know, I want to prevent that. You know, I want to come out with a company where we can fight these deadly illnesses. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome that you're thinking, like, so far ahead of that and trying to use what you're doing currently to, you know, just branch out further and get more deeper into it. And, yeah, I admirable having this, this company that you could possibly create a chain of command where it's going to help out many people. So that's that's always... That's always refreshing to hear someone thinking about the end game. And, you know, congratulations also. You are going to be a father very yes, soon. So thank one, you. congrats on the sex. Yeah. And two, um, <laughs> yeah, just two, that, that's uh, that's that's awesome to hear. And I'm going to make sure my girlfriend does not listen to this episode. So she's like, what the, hell's, what the hell are you waiting for doing? I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm... I'm still recording podcasts. Who knows? <laughs> I don't. I don't have the various lips yeah, to back me up. Yeah. So you know, a, a lot of big changes for me uh, going into this year. Uh, we obviously moved into a a warehouse mm-hmm. uh, right when the coronavirus hit, um, and obviously uh, proposing to my fiance uh, like a week before the lockdown was implemented, and um, you know now we're about to have a baby in early September. So there's a lot of big changes. Yeah. But and there's gonna be a lot of new challenges, but like in, in any situation you either adapt or you let it crumble you. So yeah. yeah. For sure. And again, congratulations on that and you know, I think think uh the future is bright for notorious lists. So just talking to you initially, even pr- pr- prior to this interview you seem to know deadlifts and admire deadlifts. Even in your bios, is deadlift connoisseur. Uh, so I got to ask you, and we do this occasionally, what is your, like, Mount Rushmore of deadlifts? What four lifters would you put on your personal favorite deadlifter list? Uh-huh. And I'll give you mine as well after you, after you go. Yeah, yeah. So um, there's a guy named 14 Power. Ooh, am I on the list? Seriously? Him. Yeah, I, I don't know why I'm sucking up to you right now. Uh, is, yeah, you, you don't need to do that. If I if I'm on the if I if I'm just staring you in the face talking over FaceTime, you don't need to suck up to me, man. But wait, would I honestly be on your list for top four yes. of your favorites? Oh, for sure. Why? For sure. Stroke my ego. Why is that? Here's the thing: the four people that's going to be on my list, they all have various different techniques. Mm-hmm. You know, for you, I've seen you obviously very. Uh, close stance, foot almost angled straight. Um, but I've been obviously following you when you were deadlifting with your hips very down, very mm-hmm. low with your squat shoes. And just seeing you evolve over time, I don't know, it just gives me hope that I can, you know, get my deadlift back up there too. Mm-hmm. To, uh, I guess, a world-class level again. Um, so yeah, you know, obviously you're on the list. I appreciate it greatly. It's very... Thank you. Very flattered about that. There's another guy named um, Andre Belyev. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. As you are talking, I'm going to Instagram. Is he on Instagram? No, uh, YouTube Andre Belyev. Oh, right. Last name B E L Y A E V. Okay. Watch his lift right now. 
pull, pull up. I think there's well, one. What, what, how do you spell his last name? B, B like boy, E like elephant, yeah. L like uh, Lincoln, Y like yellow, A like apple, E like elephant, V like vacuum. Okay. I'm getting so many Andre Milenikov videos. <laughs> <laughs> you see one? It's like him, I think... At like 90 kg pulling like 881. You see it? No, I, I haven't come up. Oh, okay, yeah, I was spelling Andre the way Italians spell Andre. Oh, okay. Alright, let's check this out. This is ASMR of me watching a deadlift video. Um, we, are, we are not on YouTube or anything, so it's, it's going to be me describing the deadlift I see. But so far, the setup's amazing. Yep, that's that's gorgeous. Yeah, is that? I mean, that's that's perfect. It reminds me of your deadlift a little bit. Yeah, he. I would I I would say a little bit Yuri Belkany, of how he pulls, but yeah, that is just a perfect, perfect, beautiful deadlift. Yeah, so you know, obviously you're on the list, Andre Belyov. Third one obviously has to be Jamal. I think everyone puts him on the list usually. Mm-hmm. Um, the fourth one, I don't know to be honest with you. A fourth one, okay, I guess De- Della Panda. Yeah, I, I well even, I mean, coming up with four people in the sport of powerlifting is hard. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's one of the lists. And uh, me and Noriega, Noriega described to me as the alpha of the list the most alpha of it. It's like, it's what people seem to watch. It closes out the show. Um, I always make the baseball analogy. It's like the big deadlifter is the power hitter. It's the home run hitter because, you know, my squat and bench isn't nearly as good as, you know, the top 10 guys are. But once I hit deadlifts, I'm all of a sudden the top 10 lifter. Uh, so it's hard in this sport to pick it. And now I like that list though, especially you're showing me that, uh, that lifter. Cause that was Gorgeous. I mean, I, and I'm I'm always a fan of aesthetic deadlifts, but I think one I would have to put Jamal Browner there for sure. Yeah. His what was it? Nine thirty six. He pulled. At uh, nine seventy one. Uh, nine. Yeah. Yeah. Nine seventy one. He pulled was the best lift I've ever seen in my life. Bar like an RP like eight. <laughs> RP. He. It was just like you're you're expecting you're expecting him to have grip issues. You're expecting him to just mess up somewhere or like you know a faulty lockout but no he pulled right through it and it was like it was it was amazing it was and now his deadlift videos there's so much improvement in his game which is so hard to improve upon a 900 pound deadlift 900 plus pound deadlift but he has and he has consistently so he is going to be always my number one um i would have to put dr deadlift killer woolham on the uh on the list as well. Uh, yeah, and I, I know it's a self-proclaimed title, uh, Dr. Deadlift, because I really don't think he earned his PhD through proper schooling on deadlifts, but I'm definitely going to put him up there um, as definitely my top four. I agreed with you on Deadlift Panda, Yang Su Ren. Um, he, in my mind, is still the best 181-pound deadlift in the world, uh, in spite of me holding the current record, because I... St- think he could definitely do like easily 771 with a stiff bar or a deadlift bar 
And I think once he competes again, which I don't know when that will be, but once he competes again, I think he will have the best 181-pound deadlift and full-power meets in the world. I think he'll get over half. You know, the next time he competes, you don't think you'll be pulling, I don't know, 800 with a stiff bar by then? Holy shit, probably not, (laughs) if I can guess. I I mean, when he competes again, so... You're you're being very humble. I mean, do you see yourself pulling at least 800 with a deadlift bar right now? And be and be honest with yourself. I mean, I don't want you to be all humble. No, no, I'm no. I 800 pounds is is pretty is pretty ridiculous. Um, when you think about the people who can pull 800 pounds, I think that if I have a proper training cycle right now, if we're going through a proper training cycle, um, you know, I'm peaking correctly with a deadlift bar. I think close to 800, but we're not there yet. I think some things will have to change in my technique, and other things I, I might have to put on a little bit more weight in order to do that. I'm a li- I'm I'm pretty light for 181, even 181 pound lifter. I have never weighed 181 pounds in a meet. Um, I've always weighed less than that. Um, 179 is the heaviest I've ever weighed in a meet. So I think a little bit more meat had, would have to be on my body in order for me to deadlift 800 pounds. But I think with a deadlift bar, I could get up to 790 with a proper peak and training and, you know, just, uh, just a proper block. Stiff bar, oof, 800 pounds of the stiff bar, you know, it would be pretty much the same exact way. Proper training cycle, more time in the sport, me putting on a little bit more weight, um, I'm not ruling it out because I've pulled 750 not being 183 pounds, being four pounds under 183 pounds. So, and with just one block with Joe Stanek. So I think eventually I can get that number to fall. But I mean, I, who, who the hell knows when Yangtze's, unfortunately this pandemic has thrown a wrench in everything. So he could compete in two years. Who the hell knows? But uh, I, yeah, I think... If he's planning on competing by December, who, who knows? December, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see myself pulling eight hundred pounds at Raw Nationals. Yeah. I have to put, and also the reason why Yangtze Ren, he's, he's been doing deadlifts in such different ways. Like he's experimenting with so many different things. He just has, he just has an understanding of it. He. Does it hook grip occasionally? Does it mix grip occasionally? Does it with straps occasionally? He's moving like 800 pounds for reps with straps. It's crazy. He does it like occasionally with a deadlift bar. It would do it with a stiff bar. It would do it with an Olympic bar. <laughs> He's just deadlifting on everything he can get his hands on. And it's just, mm-hmm. he is, if if uh, if, Kaler, if Kaler gives himself Dr. Deadlift in uh you know the untested federations i think he's doctor deadlift in the tested federations but i have to throw this one in at four because i've said it so many times the most fuckable deadlift in all of powerlifting is garrett fierce Ooh, i love garrett fierce yeah garrett fear and he and he is a big proponent of the notorious slippers as well but yeah. i put him on because i've said it before I love his conventional deadlift, and I love his sumo deadlift. I like how he does both of those things. It's awesome. <laughs> it's so cool to see him deadlift this both. Of, I I was always a fan of his deadlift. Like as soon as I saw him lift, I always just loved it. I know 
in his own words, not mine, uh, me, and, me and Garrett are friends, so I believe he won't mind me saying this, he shits the bed a little too often with certain weights, but it's still it's still a beautiful deadlift. I think the reason why is it's because he's so passionate with his deadlifts, mm-hmm. no, with any of his, his lifts to be in general. Well, I know? mean, if you, if you talk to him for like 15 minutes, he is passionate about weird things. <laughs> <laughs> he just will talk your ear off about something very strange, and it's always I, that's why I love Garrett. Yeah. Passion, passion. So I, he is yeah, overly passionate about everything. Mm-hmm. I've actually met him, and um, I was out in Indiana in May of 2019 for my brother's graduation. I stopped by Indy City Barbell, mm-hmm. and it's crazy just how much energy he has. You know, like. There's people who are, like, pushing a sled, and he's, like, telling them, like, cheering them on. Like, who would think he's on, like, cocaine or something like that, you know? Because he's just 24-7 so hyper, you know? Like, just, that's just his personality, you know? Yeah, he, uh, that's, that's another reason why I'm a big fan of him. Um, I, I've always enjoyed talking to him, always enjoyed hanging out with him. You know, going to Indy City, too, uh, hanging out with him was really fun, but, yeah. But... I, I, I've I said it before, and I will say it again. I, I have to put him on my list because of just how much I like watching him deadlift. So, yeah, Garrett, Garrett uh, reaches my personal Mount Rushmore of uh, powerlifters, or uh, deadlifters. So One thing I, I like to, would like to add, though, is, you know, your coach Joe, right, he, there's so many deadlift gods under mm-hmm. his coaching, right? Yeah. There's obviously you, and there was uh, Della Panda, and then there's Richard Cho. Yeah, no, Kyle, Kyle Power is another guy that okay. he's uh, he would be on, like, the consolation prize of my Mount Rushmore deadlifts because he, he, too, is like, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. But I noticed that I don't – I haven't really seen Kyle's form, but I know three of you guys – three of you guys all have different Della techniques. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So – so is there like is there like some similarities when it comes to the deadlift techniques for all three of you guys? Is there is there like a couple of things like maybe keeping your hips high or, or pulling the slack before wedging yourself in or is there some is there some similarities? Yeah, I think there would be similarities just across the board that will help every single deadlifter. You know, um, and I, I I really don't know the cues he's ever given Ricky. Or the cues ever given Kyle or Yu or I mean, I'm probably missing like a bunch of his other amazing deadlifters. But you know, the things that help with me is you know opening your hips up while you're pulling. Like recently, I mean, even after I pulled 750 when we got into training, that's what he told me, and my deadlift feels better after that. Like it's crazy. It was something I wasn't, I don't think, doing before. But he was like, open your hips up, and I think that would be also echo to, you know, you, you, and Ricky, and Kyle. And when you say open your hips up, you're talking about when the bar is already, like, going up your shins. Yeah, right the, when, when I start pulling. About, just, like, hips open, hips open, hips open, like, constantly. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Or? Well, yeah, like, kind of, just right when I start pulling, just kind of opening my, what the Ed Cohen old cue on squat, which can be used into deadlift, is, you know, opening your taint. So, opening your taint as you're pulling 
And, I mean, that's just the most recent one. The biggest one for me that has helped me, I think, the most was um, squeezing my armpits together. And yes. having, yeah, and, yeah, you know, nuts. yeah, if he, if he, uh, if he put a pencil in between my armpit, I could keep it there. And Ying Su told me that when I interviewed him for Two White Lights, I didn't even know Joe Stanek. I didn't know Joe TSA. And he yeah. told me that one. And when I started working with him, I'm like, I feel tighter. I don't feel as loose. I'm not yanking off the floor. I'm more pushing my feet off the floor where, and, you know, and at the same time pulling. So that, that cue helped me a ton. Um, and he like, I don't think he ever really told me too much about my low starting position. Cause I was starting to change that prior to getting coaching from him. My higher hips started actually, uh, another great power lifter who I've had on the show. Also a great coach who Matt Cronin, mm-hmm. he had a really good video on, uh, that where like he, he, he would show, I believe it was wedging, his video on wedging, and I was I was still doing that low starting hip position, and I changed it, and my deadlift felt way more comfortable just wedging properly. So, those are, yeah, and I, I also, I mean, Ricky, I didn't put him on the list, but uh, Pug has, in all three lists, one of the most technically proficient lifters I've seen. Uh, I love watching him compete as well. And I know I'm in the minority of powerlifters who are uh, massive fans of the villain, but I I'm I'm a big I'm a big fan of Pug. Yeah, because um, Richard and I were actually coming out with a collapse slippers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that's under wrap right now, but you talk to him generally, he's a really big dude. Really yeah, I fucking hate I hate message whoever listens <laughs> to the show. <laughs> But, yeah, Michael's a, is another great uh, 74 kg too. He's a very humble guy. Oh, they're they're all awesome. They're I mean, I, how can you not respect Taylor Atwood? I yeah. everyone thinks so. If I say something nice about Pug, that I'm like disrespecting all the the other three guys. I'm like, no, dude. I'm like, I'm not getting into that fucking stupid beef thing that I yeah. think that one is created 99 percent on Instagram and King of the Lifts, and yeah. not even shared through the four guys that are actually, you know, talking shit to each other. I'm like, I'm not getting involved in that. I'm just saying, if you're going to ask me my honest opinion, Ricky is probably my favorite of the four, just because I think he has enough dickish personality where me and him could, you know, get along. (laughs) Michael's awesome. Michael C. is awesome. He's one of my favorite lifters, but, you know, he's not not as big as a dick as I am and Ricky at the the other hand. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, that's hopefully hopefully we get some ratings pull for that. I talked about the seventy fours. Hopefully our hopefully our ratings are as good as King of the Lifts by tomorrow. Yeah. But well, one thing that I would want to go over is, can you give a quick breakdown on on your deadlift technique and your setup? Uh I really, I mean, it's it's such a basic like thing that every deadlifter does you know what i mean i just put my feet in a little bit more narrow i mean my setup i talked about with uh kaiko because he's got a little bit of an elaborate setup himself and he wanted to explain why he does that because if you're an outsider looking in like why is he doing the you know the the whole thing of trying to set himself and he said it was loading his lats it's very similar to what i do is when i you know expand my arms 
I'm trying to get them, like, just stretched out enough where I could keep them in my delts in my back pocket and then stay tight with the bar. And then, I mean, everything else really is a pretty basic deadlift. Once I feel tight, once I feel like my lats are loaded, I anchor myself in, I wedge, and then I don't look up towards the sky, but I try to make my neck as long as possible. Yeah. Uh, I I posted a picture today on my Instagram, uh, and people are commenting how long my neck is. Like, it's naturally long. Like, no, I was in the middle of pulling. (laughs) So I'm, like, I'm, you know, trying to make my neck long and lengthen my arms as much as possible. And from there, don't pull the weight. Try to push with your legs off of the floor so you could stay more upright. And the lockout... Just lock out, man. <laughs> I kind of if it's heavy enough weight, I forget. I I, I forget I even locked out. Okay. One thing I, I want to add is I know during your first rep, right, you basically set your hips back and then mm-hmm. you wedge yourself in, correct? Yeah. But the following reps for your sets, you just once you drop the weight, you just stand back up, like you don't reset those hips. Yeah. Um. Have you ever considered? basically just drop into the hole and then you know uh you know pull on the slack push your feet onto the floor and just pull up instead of resetting your hips and then you know putting your hip your hips back into the wedge i do you know what i'm talking about yeah i do and in the first rep that i i know what you mean because my first rep is yeah i do set my hips back but it's something strange because in comp it feels like i am usually at a higher start position and when I'm doing something for reps, I'm not. I don't know why. It's strange. But um, I think we, we talk – it, and, again, I'm not great with uh, exercise science and all that stuff. But me and you, you talked about it once just through Instagram was uh, that stretch reflex where I, I told them or I made a post. I'm like, my first rep always sucks and my last four reps are good. Like, if I'm doing an AMRAP, my first rep blows, and then the next four, I then he's like, well, it's a re- reflex, like, the stretch reflex. So, it's like, you're in, you're already loaded, and you're into a position already. Um, and that, that was also cued to me by Jamal, like, leading up to the Arnold, where he was like, if you start maybe with a higher hit position, you would be able to get, you're still lifting like you're in lifters. And at, at comp, I seem to usually do that. It's weird. I don't know why. Maybe I just got to look at everything as like a single. Sure. Like if I'm hitting yeah, because, a triple, three singles. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because I felt like if you just, for your first rep, you did it similar to your setup for your second rep where you just drop into the hole, grab the bar, pull the slack, and go back up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's no stretch reflex. Just like how, how I've seen it with Yang Su uh, Ren. I remember he back then, he, he didn't have the setup that he has now. Back then, he would just drop into the hole and grab the bar and and pull, mm-hmm. and that would obviously cause his back to round for him to. It would also cause him to be pulled forward. And um, but after he changed the setup, or you know, he talks about treating like the delf like it's like a window, basically. You know, yeah. you have to make sure your shoulders are over the bar, making sure your shins are perpendicular to the floor. Yeah, and that's you know, that's when his delfs just start blowing up from like seven fifty to easily eight hundred. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Those are, yeah, those are all 
that's definitely the right advice because you want your first rep to be obviously your best because you know you only get one rep in competition as opposed to you know the gym where you get multiple ones but yeah i've always it's something that i'm cognizant of that i understand i'm doing that and i think even if you look at some videos you could tell that i could tell that my first rep should have been better but then once i'm set in that position like uh, that's that's when my pulls look a little bit more efficient uh, that's some solid, solid deadlift talk, but, yeah. all right, and I have to ask this, this is a segment that I just created, uh, today, is, mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna pitch you different ideas, uh, to help Notorious Lifts, so, um, as you know, Notorious Lifts are used by USAPL lifters, why don't you make a Dragon Ball Z series? Dragon Ball Z series? Dragon Ball Z, yeah, the cartoon um, show that everyone likes, yeah, aside yeah. from me. <laughs> Make make so a uh, wanna, Dragon Ball Z uh, thing. I don't want to give too much information, but we're doing something very similar. Okay. Very similar in in the near future that's coming up. It's a collection basically that's going to be dropping. Nice. Um, also, would Avengers be included? Because every USAPL <laughs> lifter likes Avengers too. Yeah, the thing is, uh, I wish uh, these uh, Avengers would actually wear my slippers because I know Les Wall has the slippers, but sadly, he doesn't wear them. Um, no. I know, but what, 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 I mean, who do you want to play? Do you want to play Thanos or, or what? I think I look more like, uh, Noriega thinks he looks more like Robert Downey Jr. than I do, but I definitely look more like Robert Downey Jr. than he does. Um, and I'll, maybe I'll debate that with him, but I think, uh, I think I would be appropriate for Tony Stark, just solely based on how I look. I'm not saying I'm like Tony Stark. I'm actually yeah, almost yeah, a polar opposite, not smart or wealthy. You're more like a Scarlet Witch. Ouch. 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 I mean, she's powerful, but god damn, is she boring in those movies. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we might have to play that uh, game with other guests. Like, what Avengers would this lifter be? Or what type of Avenger would this lifter be? But, um, a slipper I would wear is if Uh you make a... And you're probably not going to be familiar with this, but a Juventus slipper... So Juventus is a soccer team, and I used okay. to wear their jerseys to all my meets, and USPA uh-huh. does not allow me to wear their kits. So I'm like, I got to find out a way to put U- Juve into my arsenal. So if you make just a slipper without infringing on all copyrights ever, just put up maybe a Juve logo on it, or make it zebra What's striped. Juventus. Oh, white and black, white and black. Yeah, white and black. I, I mean, you already make a white and black slipper. And I wouldn't buy it. Here's a funny story that, I don't know, 2% of Two White Lights listeners are even going to understand. Yeah. So you dropped the, uh, there were black and blue uh, slippers. Mm-hmm. They, they kind of look like police colors. Uh, black mm-hmm. and blue. And uh-huh. I was in the process of switching over from flat, or spot shoes to flats. And that uh-huh. was the first drop. And I'm like, I cannot buy these. I really can't buy them. Hold on. Can you give me a quick second? Let me find that one real quick. Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about those. The ones you just showed me. Uh, yeah. What am I? 25? 25 and a half centimeters? But, uh, hey, let me go back to my uh, my dead stock. And if there's any, I'll put you up with it. Yeah, but I, I just, yeah, I can't wear those. I cannot wear Why? those. Well, Wait, those... Is that your color? No, 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 no. So that's the point. So... 
they made them, and they're so black and blue that they're the colors of Juventus's rival team. Like, oh. and colors mean a lot in Italy. Like, it's an Italian soccer team, and they're known by their colors. They don't have mascots. So they're known as uh, Juve's the Bianca Neri, the black and whites. And uh-huh. the team, the, the fucking, the blue and black, or black and blue, is Inter. And I cannot wear anything, like, oh. interrelated. So, Siri, and this might have been, like, an Instagram thing, because I know if I would have worn black and blue slippers... Everyone who knows I'm a Juventus fan and everyone who's an Inter fan would have been like, oh, he's wearing Inter slippers now and I can't wear that. So I had to hold off until you made the all black. Damn. <laughs> so it's, yeah, very funny story that, um, again, like a few of our Italian listeners will love and maybe a few soccer fans will love. But I could not wear, I, I, could, I could fuck with black and red and that's oh. AC Milan. Oh. I could do that. Um, even though they're still technically a rival, but I respect AC Milan more than Inter. I can't be associated with Inter at all. Colors mean a lot. It's like gang colors, yeah. pretty much in Italy. <laughs> yeah, but uh, if you yeah if you can make like somehow a Juventus type slipper, um, that'll what, be what great. What do you think? What do you think? How about um, all white upper material, like you know the cream color, mm-hmm. uh, all black bottom sole, so. This will be, the bottom sole will be black. This top will be white. Top of the straps, would you want it also black. white or, or black? Yeah. because they're. Sick. I think people would buy that. Yeah, they're called, uh, they're called the zebras uh, So uh-huh. because they wear stripes. They wear black and white stripes. Uh-huh. So they're called the zebras in Italy. And, uh, uh-huh. yeah, like, <laughs> it was a funny change from USAPL because was, that was almost an identity thing for me too because I would always wear my Juve stuff for uh, meets. Uh-huh. And it was just, it just happened organically, but, um, yeah, it just turned into that, but also here's another business idea. Here's another pitch. Um, can you just call one of your things squat shoes and just mark it up at like a $20 price? <laughs> okay. Well, what's the reasoning behind that one? Besides so you can make more money and con your, and con your customers. It's only reason behind it. <laughs> I told you I'm coming with business ideas, not anything yeah. that will benefit others. It's mostly to put more money into you and I's pocket, and I got a taste out of that. So, so you want to fight if I if I do come out with that? I'm guessing you want some sort of royalty, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> royalty of your con of people, because I'm sure I'm sure there'll be some people who buy them. They're like, oh, they're squat yeah. shoes. Like, yeah. Well, you call them squat shoes, yeah, I guess. So you could squat in them for sure, and you could just market higher price for no reason and make a little bit more money, even though making the same exact shoe. Yeah. Uh, okay, here's, here's one thing. I know, you, would you ever consider squatting flats? No. Poor ankle <laughs> mobility. I have poor ankle mobility. So the squat shoes actually help my ankle mobility. Oh, okay. Um, and I actually might have to get another pair of squat shoes because with an elevated heel, because it's one yeah. of the biggest shoes in my squat right now, even though it's gotten better over the past uh, like six weeks, mm-hmm. is my ankle mobility. It's it's bad. I used to squat in flats. I used to squat in Converse. Um, and then I put on. I didn't know why my squat improved. Like I didn't know the reason behind it. But once I bought my first pair of squat shoes, my squat was so much more fluid, so much more efficient. I 
don't know. I and again, I didn't know why, but now uh-huh. I know it's probably due to poor ankle mobility. So, I, I that that's something I know that if I move to flats, my squat would not be good. I would be uh-huh. probably much more forward on my squat. When you say you have poor ankle mobility, are you saying that it's tough for you to hit depth, or uh, just so generally? Probably a mix of the both. I'll probably be a little bit out in front. I won't be as upright. I'll probably uh, end up good morning in my squat, which I don't want to do that. Um, there's, I probably have some real archive videos of me squatting in Converse All-Stars. Um, and still got depth pretty easily, but it just wasn't a balanced squat. Yeah, it wasn't fluid. Yeah. Like, I could pause, I could pause squat forever in squat shoes. I could not pause uh-huh. squat in... Uh, converse so yeah so uh, i guess i mean i guess that'll be it for as far as business pitches uh something that will hit home to usapl lifters or oh how about this just one (laughs) just one slipper that's also Uh a sock so you you knock out two things at once high socks for lifters who need to wear high socks on platform because that's a rule But they uh-huh. are also included in the slipper, like a stocking. No. You know how ugly that would look. Horribly ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Hor- horribly hideous. Oh it's, my gosh! It's a it's a business venture. Or oh. or make the slipper a different color from the sock, so it looks like you know, separation. I, I'm I'm glad you're just a you're a history <laughs> teacher. Because <laughs> I if I brought you in as a R and D uh, uh, designer, I, I'm sure uh, you'll. Well, I'll just go rapid. I'll just go rapid fire just a bunch of shitty ideas, and one will be good. I'll give you like, like thirty-seven you, horrible ones, and one of them will be decent. You're like these limited edition uh, bicep curl slippers. <laughs> Buy them now. It's like we have we have now gloves. Notorious slippers are now wearing gloves. Like notorious no, slippers slip, features. No slip grip. No slip yeah. grip. You can, yeah, make straps. Make uh make figure make make your own figure eight straps and just call See, it. Tourist. But here's the things. I mean, I cannot beat versa grips, nor can I beat those figure eights in them. I can't improve those. I don't want to push products out just for the sake of just pushing product out. You know. That makes sense. Yeah. That's admirable. What uh what I would like is more uh because you're wearing this notorious slip shirt. I would like uh I always I'm always a fan of just apparel. I always like mm-hmm. apparel, just like hats. Mm-hmm. I'm a big dad hat guy, so I would probably cop one if you uh, if you made a dad hat or something or a beanie. I like beanies too and skull caps. So, but which logo though? Because I have a, a I don't know three different owning logos. Which one um, you like the most? Well, for the dad, because that would be more of a like a baseball type logo. Would be your original. No. It's like a demon looking logo, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. The, the, most, the first one, yeah. Okay, yeah, so. Yeah, and you know, I guess I mean, if you want to put me on your team as a consultant to design, you can. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty high asking price, but you know, I'm willing to work. Summer's coming up, so I need money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, we've been talking for over an hour now. Yeah. It's been a good interview, man. Yeah. I'm. I'm. Pleasure meeting you finally. Hell yeah! And it was it was yeah. good talking deadlifts. We got into a pretty. If there's one thing people can walk away with this interview is deadlifting. You've made, yeah. you've made deadlifters better and more stylish on the platform, uh-huh. and you've, you've, that's a tremendous service in the sport. Thank you, thank you. 
So, you know, that's going to do it for this episode of uh, Two White Lights. Everyone, if you have not purchased a Notorious Slipper, which I'm based on our demographic, you definitely have, but if there's like a few people who haven't, do it. Purchase one when they have their next launch date. Yep. Well, they're stock right now, too, so uh, go buy them. Oh, buy sweet. Buy them for your girlfriend, grandmas, everybody. Maybe buy one for you, too, right? Just send you a bunch of pair. Yeah, send me some pairs, and as long as they're not black and black and blue, I could uh, I could fuck with them. Yep. But uh, yeah, and um, you could you could reach him at uh, on his Instagram page, uh, Notorious Emperor, correct? Yes, sir. That yes, is sir. the handle. No inner spaces, no anything in between. Nope. Um. Yeah. So thank you for coming on Two White Lights. Uh, hopefully, have you on again sometime, and hopefully one of these days there will be a meet where I can meet you in person. That sounds great. All right, brother. Stay safe out there. All right. And to everyone listening, see you guys next week. And peace. Oh, baby, I like.